It's Thursday 9th of February, I'm David Wilder, and this is a special Capital Economics Briefing all about what's really happening in the US economy and what it all means for markets. Chief US Economist Paul Ashworth joins John Higgins, our Chief Markets Economist, for a discussion about the macro and markets picture, including what was up with that January payrolls number. They talked about the recession question, what the Fed's likely to do, and what this all means for US equities, bonds, and the dollar. The conversation starts with Paul explaining why the latest data suggests inflation is still heading down. I mean, most of the supply disruptions that were affecting the goods market appear to be clearing up. There was some uncertainty in the data about whether used vehicle prices will continue to go down. Some of the auction data suggests that that may have leveled out for a month or two, maybe even bounced back a little bit. But I think there's a lot of other downward pressure on goods prices from the stronger dollar over the last year. From the fact that, as I said, those supply disruptions have been clearing up, we've seen things like global shipping rates come down very considerably, and that should begin to affect all sorts of goods, clothing prices, appliances, all these sorts of things should be coming down in price. And even as used vehicle prices maybe are bouncing back a little bit, we've also seen more recent evidence that new vehicle prices should be coming down. So... For instance, we had Tesla announcing up to 20% price cut and other manufacturers following, beginning to follow suit too. So there appears to be a lot of deflationary pressure in goods, which is not surprising because after all, the size of the extent of the rise in prices over the last couple of years really did look unsustainable and it was always going to be at least partially reversed at some point. Then also high inflation at the moment is partly to do with the rapid rises in the housing cost components of both the CPI and the PCE inflation measures. We haven't seen any evidence of it coming down in the CPI and PCE measures, but that's because they're not particularly timely measures. But if we look at some of the alternative indices we have that measure just newly signed rental agreements, they do suggest there's been a very big turnaround. And after a spike in rents last year, by the end of last year, rents were maybe even coming down. And that should be reflected in the CPI and PCE housing cost measures uh, at some point this year, and hopefully beginning to come through within the next couple of months. So that's two sources of pretty strong disinflationary pressure. The third one that the Fed is more worried about is core services excluding housing. And there the progress has been a bit more modest, but we do expect to see further progress this year. Although some of that is linked to the performance we're going to get from wage growth, which itself is linked to the performance of the labour market. So the labour market maybe is a bit stronger than we thought, given how rapidly payroll employment increased in January, up more than 500,000. But at the same time, we're also seeing plenty of evidence that wage growth is coming down. So the employment cost index measure of private wages and salaries increased at only a 4.2% annualised pace in the fourth quarter. And average hourly earnings is coming down too and is in the sort of low, low fours at this stage as well. So wage growth appears to be going in the right direction. So hopefully it should be just a matter of time before we can see more progress on core services X housing too. Okay, so it sounds like inflation clearly on a downward trajectory then, but obviously the Fed is also focused on what's happening in the 
in the real economy. And there, the messages seem a bit mixed, really. When we look at all this data, you talked about the blockbuster employment report. We also saw this upbeat ISM services report last Friday. I just wondered what your thoughts were about all of this. I mean, certainly if we look at the tail end of last year, although GDP growth in the fourth quarter was pretty solid, there did seem to be a very big tailing off in activity toward the end of the fourth quarter, particularly in November and December. We saw a lot of weakness in real consumption, weakness in industrial production, uh, weakness in imports as well, which was suggesting more broadly that um, domestic demand was weakening. It looked like business investment was beginning to weaken too, particularly for equipment investment. Um, and of course, housing was still a very big drag on the economy. And that fits with what we knew, which is that the most rate-sensitive parts of the economy were suffering under the weight of much higher interest rates. I mean, obviously the Fed last year hiked rates by more than 400 basis points. So that was bound to have some knock-on impact, albeit with a bit of a lag. The data at the start of this year has been, as we said, a bit more positive. It's still, I think, a bit of an open question about how accurate that read is of a very strong increase in payroll employment. So payroll employment is supposedly up by more than 500,000. But if we look at the alternative ADP measure of employment, that put the gain at about 100,000. And the household survey measure of employment put it at slightly less than 100,000. So there is some uncertainty about exactly how strong employment was. But there was a lot more other good news in that employment report too. Hours work, jump back, but jump back by such a big margin that it was almost suspicious looking. You know, we've got a 0.3 increase in average weekly hours worked, yet at the same time the household survey is telling us that all of the gains in employment basically are part-time and full-time employment has basically levelled out. So that suggests we should be seeing hours work come down rather than go back up sharply. So I think we'll really have to wait and see for the February employment report to see if that was a genuine sign of strength in the labour market or not which at least the Fed has the luxury of, because, of course, the next FOMC meeting's not until, I think it is the 22nd of March, the announcement is on. So we'll have the February employment data by that time. But certainly that employment report seems to have shifted market interest rate expectations quite sharply. Yeah. I mean, overall, though, are you sort of buying into this sort of soft landing narrative that's increasingly doing the rounds, perhaps on the back of these slightly better numbers, or do you still feel the outlook is going to be a little bit worse now? Or are we just sort of splitting hairs here in terms of the difference, in terms of the way you think the market is shaping up and, and the way you view things? I mean, we put a lot of weight in our recession trackers, which are things like the yield curve, which is obviously as inverted as it has been since the early 1980s. We put a lot of weight in traditional indicators like the ISM New Orders Index, which again is at a level never before seen without recession following. And also the leading economic index, which is, you know, includes 10 components, which traditionally have been the best predictors of recessions. And on balance, those are pointing to uh, a pretty sharp slowdown coming soon. Um, but are we in a recession? Just on that yet? point, Paul, actually, on the on the timing point, you talk about soon. I, I sort of separate question I had really was about your confidence in the, the timing of, of your recession call. Obviously, it's, 
it's very difficult to pin that down. But I think as far as I understand it in our forecast, we've got one sort of starting in the spring and perhaps lasting two or three quarters. I just wondered how confident you felt in that sort of time frame or whether you think there's a, a chance it could be starting a lot later. Yeah, I, th- I think I think in the next few months is probably the case, which sounds completely crazy to say, given how strong employment growth was. But as I said, I'm not convinced that was a genuine signal. And a lot of the other evidence does suggest that we do have an economy that was losing a lot of momentum towards the end of last year and hasn't necessarily regained it over the last month or so. I mean, I'm always minded about recessions and thinking about what Alan Greenspan, the old Fed chairman, had to say about that. I mean, he used to say that recessions are tricky to forecast because they are driven in part by non-rational behaviour. Sentiment about the economic outlook usually does not shift smoothly from optimism to neutrality to gloom. It's like the bursting of a dam in which a flood backs up until cracks appear and the dam is breached. The resulting torrent carries with it whatever shreds of confidence there were and what remains is fear. I think that's a pretty good characterisation of what you'd expect to see when a recession breaks out. And certainly why we might be on the brink of a recession yet, I don't think we've seen the sort of evidence that would suggest we have gone over the edge there and the dam has been breached. Okay, so perhaps you could walk us through the implications then, Paul, of this outlook for inflation and the economy for Fed policy. How do you see that shaping up? Well, obviously at the moment, the Fed suggested that it needs to hike rates a couple of times more until it can be sure and more confident that inflation truly is on a downward path and that even when it is on a downward path, the Fed uh, or most Fed officials seem to believe that they'll keep interest rates unchanged for at least all of this year. I imagine that if we're seeing the sort of slowdown in the real economy that we ourselves are talking about, and if that's combined with better news on wage growth and better news on core services inflation and a continued weakness in core goods inflation, that altogether that means that the Fed's much more likely to begin cutting interest rates before the end of this year. So, you know, at one point in the last couple of weeks, the market was coming round to that view. But obviously, given the strength of the employment report, which the markets, I feel, have taken that a bit more on face value, they're shifting a bit back towards the Fed's view right now. But yeah, I mean, I still think the Fed will be cutting interest rates before the end of this year. And just final question for you for now, which was really... How do you think the Fed would respond if we did get this mild recession you're forecasting, but let's say inflation didn't come down quite as quickly as you're envisaging and didn't come down as quickly as the Fed felt comfortable with? How do you think the Fed would react in those circumstances, given its sort of dual mandate? Yeah, I mean, certainly I would think that any rate cuts you saw then would be relatively modest. But again, I mean, I'm not sure that's the case that you would get that, particularly not with wage growth already coming down to the low fours already. I mean, if we do see a downturn in the real economy that spreads to the labour market, you would expect to see more downward pressure on wage growth. So I think at this stage, it's unlikely that you'd get this stagflation combination of a particularly weak real economy and weaker labour market combined with still elevated inflation. So, John, why don't we turn now and talk a little bit about market reaction? And, I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, we've seen quite a whipsaw there with interest rate expectations. Do you want to talk us through what's priced into the markets now and how that's changed post-employment report? 
Yeah, I mean, clearly there has been a big downward shift in expectations for interest rates really since the back end of last year, once it started to become clear that inflation had peaked. Really, in terms of expectations for next year, let's say 2024, the, rather than this year, which which haven't changed an awful lot. And we sort of reached the point where, um, at least prior to this employment report we've just had, there was an expectation of really some quite significant loosening of monetary policy towards the back end of this year and into 2024. And, you know, almost sort of catching up, if you like, with, with our own forecast that you've outlined, Paul. And that's clearly been beneficial for bonds, which in Treasury yields come down a lot since late last year. Of course, they've backed up a little bit since the employment reports. We've had that reassessment of just how much the Fed might conceivably loosen uh, next year. And obviously, they rebounded to price in perhaps a higher terminal rate this year. In terms of how that sort of fits in with our view, uh, we had been you know, anticipating a rally in the Treasury market on the back of some revision that we felt was likely in expectations for interest rates as the market sort of caught up with our view that, that policy was going to be loosened from the middle of this year onwards. But a lot of that rally, in our view, has probably already happened now. If you look at what's priced into the market and compare that to our own projections, we don't see the scope really for a major rally in treasuries from here. I think there's a little bit more room for for yields perhaps to come back down towards about three and a quarter percent at the 10 year by the end of the year, perhaps grind a little lower in 2024. But in the grand scheme of things, these these aren't big moves. And we've probably seen in our view, a lot of the rally in treasuries already from, as I said, sort of late last year onwards. Equity markets have performed pretty well in the first month of this year. What do you think is one of the key drivers in equities? Is it fears about inflation, fears about higher interest rates, or fears about a downturn in the economy, or I guess even at this stage, an economic resurgence instead? What's behind the performance recently? Well, I think obviously last year's big sell-off in the stock market seemed to be driven by tighter Fed policy and, you know, that dimming the appeal of equities as it's pushing up yields on treasuries and risk-free assets more generally. Um, I think, you know, our expectation was that we're still waiting for the earnings shoe to drop, really. The, the sell-off in the stock market had really been driven by higher yields undermining its valuation, but we hadn't really seen a great deal of downward pressure on earnings. And a sort of feeling was we were going to get a renewed sell-off in the stock market uh, in the early part of this year, as sort of evidence started to grow that, you know, recession was looming. Now, I think one thing that's happened is that there has been a little bit of a downgrading of expectations for earnings, but not as much as you might normally expect to see in a recession. And it almost seems to be over before it's begun in a way. And the market seems to be increasingly minded to think that we're going to get a soft landing, that the recession we'll be talking about isn't going to materialize. And I think this is the um, probably the main reason why it's been responding favorably. Of course, yields have come off a little bit this year in the round. They've, they've clearly gone up a little bit since the employment report. But if you to look over the year as a whole, there has been some drop back in treasury yields and, and tips yields in response to this downward revision in interest rate expectations since inflation peaked. Um, but I think it's it's not just that. It's also a sense, I think, that the economic outlook isn't quite as gloomy as people perhaps have previously envisaged. And I guess that could be the global economic outlook as well, because, of course, if we're thinking about the S&P 500, a lot of those earnings are coming from non-US sales. I mean, certainly the outlook, although it's still not encouraging, is certainly not as discouraging as it was in Europe with natural gas prices coming down. And certainly China's ending its zero COVID policy should presumably provide a boost in 
in China. And I guess even at the margin, the fact that the dollar's down over the opening month of the year will help dollar-denominated earnings too, right? Uh, yeah, mechanically, yeah, that's, that should be the case. I think that's right. I mean, clearly we need to think of these companies that dominate indices like the S&P 500 as, as global entities, even if there's still this prospect of a mild recession in the US. But I think, you know, if we look at the extent to which earnings have actually been paired back in terms of expectations for earnings and indeed realised earnings, it's pretty small in the grand scheme of things. Even after you allow for the high inflation we've had, you know, we're talking about perhaps 10% or so drop in real terms in earnings, the S&P 500 from its peak at this point. That's not negligible, but, you know, it's sort of much smaller than the average drop that you might get of 20 to 25% in a recession. I think one rejoinder to that is is that we're expecting a pretty mild recession. And so, you know, why should earnings be paired back that much? But the work we've done sort of shows that there isn't a particularly strong correlation, actually, when it comes to the scale of a recession and the scale of a drawdown in, in earnings. I mean, if you to look back in 2001, for example, when the recession was pretty mild as well, we had a pretty big drawdown in earnings then, much bigger than you might expect, given the size of the, the loss in output in the economy as a whole. So I think that's just sort of informing our overall judgment that there is a bit more to go here on the earnings front and that, you know, as the recession looms and those expectations for earnings are paired back, we'll see a little bit of a pullback in the stock market through the spring. But I should say that that's not something we're expecting to last. This is really something that we think is going to be over, certainly by the middle of the year. So it's sort of light at the end of the economic tunnel starts yeah. to starts to show. Absolutely. And it's not just equities that have had a pretty good start to the year. I mean, the corporate bond market's had a pretty good start as well. As I understand it, credit spreads have come down even more. I mean, they're yeah. certainly not priced for a recession at this stage, are they? No, that's right. And it's another indication of the of the market sort of signaling that, you know, at worst, we're going to get a soft landing. I mean, if you look at the high yield option adjusted spread, for example, it's down more than 80 basis points since the start of the year which, you know, really isn't something you'd expect to see if a recession was looming. It seems to be, you know, very much at odds with the further inversion of the yield curve, I think, that you talked about a little earlier, Paul. It's at odds with the latest uh, senior loan officer survey that we saw published on Friday, which is talking about a significant tightening of, of lending standards. So it all speaks to this idea that, that you know, that the markets are, are confident that there won't be a recession. So, that, so to the extent that we get one, I think there is certainly some scope for disappointment in the corporate bond market and, and in the equity market too. So let's talk about the outlook for equities now. We've talked a bit about what are the factors that have been driving it in the last month. What's our outlook for the S&P 500 over the next 12 months? Well, we see it sort of as a bit of a U really in the sense that we are expecting a dip, quite a considerable one, through the spring. As I said, that's really tied to our view that we're going to get this mild recession. And we have got a forecast for the S&P 500 to revisit pretty much the lows that we saw in October last year, so sort of down to around three and a half thousand. That does look a bit of a stretch now. And I think, you know, part of the reason why I think we're, we're starting to doubt whether we'll see that scale of drawdown is the improvement that we've seen in the, the rest of the world in Europe and China that we've talked about that, that perhaps could offset some of the weakness in the US economy that we're anticipating and therefore not lead to such a big drawdown in, in earnings expectations. But we're still expecting a dip nonetheless. I think the key point I'd want to emphasize, though, is that we're projecting a much rosier outlook for the stock market beyond that spring. I mean, usually you see the stock market bottom out three to six months before the end of a recession. 
I think in our forecast, we've got the recession ending perhaps in the third quarter of this year. That would speak to the stock market perhaps bottoming out in the first or second quarters of, of this year. And typically, once the stock market does bottom out around a recession or slightly before it, it makes some pretty strong headway in the following 12 months. And that's sort of consistent with the significant rally that we've got penciled in in the S&P 500 from its low. We've got it ending this year, for example, a little higher than it is now, that representing about a sort of 20 percent bounce from from where we think it'll trough, uh, that would still leave it quite a long way down from the peak we had, um, you know, at the back end of 2021. But again, that's not particularly unusual. You know, after you've had a drawdown in and around a recession, the stock market can still be well below its previous peak a couple of years later. But, you know, the key thing, as I said, to stress here is that we see a disappointing next few months for the stock market as the recession looms, followed by a much brighter future you know, over the course of the remainder of the year, leaving it somewhat higher at the end of this year than it is now. Great, John. One final question, and this one's going to be on the dollar. I mean, obviously, the dollar's been on a, a roller coaster ride over the last year, up very significantly through the first 10 months of last year, and then down very significantly again over the last two months, and then continuing into the opening of this year too. Uh, what do we think about the dollar? Is it going to continue to go down or maybe start to rebound again? Well, clearly some of the things that pushed the dollar up significantly last year are no longer sort of underpinning it in the, the same way, not least, you know, the prospects for, for Fed policy, the Fed obviously being somewhat more ahead on, of a curve than, than some of the other major central banks, certainly a major factor, I think, in, in underpinning the, the strength of the dollar through most of last year until it started to turn when it started to become clear that US inflation was peaking and the yields there started falling. Um, our view really is that interest rate differentials and yields aren't going to provide the dollar with an awful lot of support as we move forward. Nonetheless, we still see some scope for it to bounce a bit in the coming months. And that's really tied instead to a view that it's going to benefit from a period of aversion to risk as this recession looms larger. Dollar tends typically to benefit in those sorts of circumstances when there's an aversion to risk. So we still think it's it's likely to, to bounce back a little bit more, perhaps not revisit the highs that we saw last September, but certainly uh, strengthen somewhat from from here. But again, as we, we sort of penciling in a, a recovery generally in, in risk assets, as I said, from the spring onwards. And I think once that happens, the outlook for the dollar is going to be considerably bleaker, not least because you won't have the support in our view coming from rate differentials and you won't have the support coming from aversion to risk in fact you know the opposite may well be true in an environment of global economic recovery so tougher times ahead i think for the dollar from the spring onwards but perhaps doing a bit better in just in the coming months yeah so i think we could probably sum this up by saying that on both us macro and markets or at least equities we're negative short term but very positive in the medium term uh, the US economy, we still think, despite the stronger employment report in January, will experience a mild recession, probably starting within the next few months. That will help to bring inflation down, which is already on a pretty strong downward path. I see no reason why inflation won't return to the 2% target, in which case the Fed can be reversing its rate hikes before the end of this year and then seeing more substantial rate declines in 2024, which suggests a pretty difficult time for the equity market for the next few months, maybe, maybe with the S&P 500 dipping again. But certainly as we get towards the end of the second half of this year, and certainly next year, we'd expect to see a very positive picture. 
That was Paul Ashworth and John Higgins on the US Macro and Market Outlook. I'll link to their analysis on the podcast page. And look out for our weekly briefings, which are out every Monday, and for more of these special episodes, including how EMs are looking at a critical stage of the global timing cycle. But until next time, goodbye.